Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com. I'm your host, Mike Katrin. We got Tyler Watts on the line, but this is an emergency podcast. The trade de- the trade deadline is looming, but the trade season has already started. We're going to get right into it. If you didn't, if you're living under a rock, if you didn't already know, uh, the NBA has just once again uh, exploded into the crazy nonsense that you love and and desire. Uh, and all on Super Bowl week, which is my favorite part of uh, of all of this. And of course, Tyler, I am talking about the Bulls acquiring Timothy Lualu Cabaret uh, for cash and cash considerations for a second round pick. How excited are you about this trade? Um, go Chicago. I'm happy for him. I think he might actually play, but of course, Tyler, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Chris Asperzegas going to the Mavs, your, your team, the team that you're covering. So you get to cover Dacic and Chris Apps along with Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway for Dennis Smith Jr. Who is good. Uh, Wesley Matthews, Deandre Jordan's corpse, and I think two number one draft picks. Is that right? Yeah. So the Mavericks also got Trey Burke, which that's probably going to matter for Dallas. And we can talk about that if you want. I don't know how much that's going to matter for fantasy, but um, so yeah, they got four players and they waived actually one of my under players. I thought was going to be underrated in a couple years, Ray Spalding. So that's a good pickup for somebody looking for a young big. And the, uh, the bulls are always looking for uh, guys who are being paid uh, what is considered the minimum wage in the NBA? Uh, what financial champions? Twenty years running. Congratulations, Chicago! Uh, but also congratulations to the Dallas Mavericks. This trade has tons of uh, fantasy potential. So let's start with the Dallas side of this trade. Uh, they are losing Matthews, who was playing uh, significant minutes. And they are um, obviously losing Dennis Smith Jr., allowing Doncic to take care of the ball, and DeAndre Jordan. So uh, Courtney Lee, Tim Hardaway, Chris Stapps. And I'm going to go right to Chris Stapps. Sounds like he's being cleared to play as we speak. What is it, what is your take on that right now? I mean, I think it's a little too early, but if you've already hold down the Chris Stapps this long, I don't know why you would suddenly trade him. I, actually, his value might not be any higher. So, you know, I, and I, I wrote an article about this yesterday, and you guys can probably read it about when he's going to play his first game for the Mavericks. And I did a lot of highly educated guessing on things. Um, so here's what we know, right? The Knicks were planning to have his next evaluation in mid-February. So they were not basically planning on him even practicing for two more weeks with the team. We also know that on January 11th, so we're talking almost a month now, right? He was working out with a coach in a non-contact practice, which David Fisdale talked about in his news conference, such as you can believe anything David Fisdale says. Um, mm, yeah. And Questionable. he was reportedly dunking and shooting threes, and Fisdale talked it up like, he looked ungodly good, which what else are you going to say if you're the coach of, of him at the time? Um, so 
assuming that the Mavericks keep the Knicks timeline, and we'll talk about why I don't think that's maybe necessarily the case in a second, you got to figure if you can't practice until mid-February, you're probably looking at another at least week or two on the sideline, meaning you probably come back at the beginning of March. That's what the Knicks were planning on doing before the trade, I think. And let's say on top of that, you know, give it two more weeks for Chris Dabbs. This is probably the best case scenario for fantasy uh, people who have uh, Chris Hesperzingas on their roster in fantasy because it did sound like in New York they were basically trying to take the season away. There's a lot of conspiracy theories about uh, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, etc. We're not going to get into all that. I, I'm sure that, that would take another hour to get through our conspiracy theory NBA. Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about that as time goes on, but I think this is the best case scenario for Chris Epps because he is actually going to play and probably will be playing uh, 25-plus minutes before the end of February. Yeah, so I think, I don't know this for certain, one of the points of contention with the Knicks was the whole thing about them moving him so slowly. So he's he's scheduled to get his physical in Dallas today. Um, we have not. I have not heard yet how that has gone, um, but I, I'm assuming that'll be fine. I still think the Mavericks are going to want him to practice for at least a week or two. So I still think we're two weeks away from him returning, probably in a live game. Probably about right, right? Like maybe only a week. They might just make him practice two or three times and then let send him out there. Um, it would be very scary to send someone out there, right? After not playing basketball for a year, he got injured on February 6th of last year. So he was literally missed basically a whole year. So they're definitely going to put him in at least some contact practice, I would think, before they're going to run him out there. Um, I made the assumption that I think he plays sometime between their February 13th home game and the home game on March 2nd. Okay, so if you have Chris Desporzingis right now, do you think – uh, well, I mean, it's always going to depend on the rest of the league, right? Uh, are, would you try to shop Chris Stapp's – Today, let's say you're in a redraft league. Are you trying to shop Chris Stapps for something comparable to like a like what round is too low? Fifth round? That's a good. That's a good question, right? So you mentioned it. We're going to see him ramp back up a little bit. So even if he comes back in two weeks, it's probably another two or three weeks before he's playing the full thirty minutes a night. Hmm. If I could trade him today. For a top 50 player, I'd have to really consider that. And it would matter a lot, too, on what my team needed and, and if Chris Stapps fit my needs really well or if you know this other player maybe fit my needs a little better. Uh, but I would definitely consider anyone inside the top 50 pretty hard. Yeah, I think I, I actually would do that um, depending on the situation. But uh, it, I, I think when you look at Chris Stapps, best-case scenario is – two more weeks plus some ramp up time. And unless you're like sitting pretty in a, in a playoff hunt and you're going to get Chris Stapp's full strength for the, the, the last stretch of the playoffs and, or the, you know, the beginning of your playoffs, depending on when they start, uh, unless you're like guaranteeing him a slot in your, in your playoff team, I, I'm probably making a trade for him or a, a trade. Uh, Chris Stapp's trading him away for something of value. Uh, if you're in a dynasty league, on the other hand, um, that's a whole nother story. What do you, what do you look at as long-term value? So, and here's why, you know, if 
you're going to tell me Chris Stapps, I mean, he was playing at an all-star level, right? He he made the all-star team last year. Yeah. Um, before he tore his ACL. If you're He's telling perfect. me 100% he can get back to that form, this trade's a home run for Dallas, right? It's it's an If you're grading the trade, it's an A+. Plus because they have a young super – they have two young superstars now. They maybe have the best young duo in the NBA. Yeah. That's certainly uh, true, but they only get him for a year, and it sounds like as of today, uh, he's going to be signing the qualifying offer, uh, and he's good. so we, I mean, we could be seeing a rental for Dallas, but like I don't, I don't really care too much about that. Let's say I could say that Chris Stapps is going to be ninety percent, yet he's going to be uh, as injury prone as you think he is right now. Like I can't guarantee his his health. Um, are you dynasty wise? Would you say, all right, like wait till he comes back, starts playing really well, and then ship him out, get a, sell him at the highest level? Are you worried about his long term health? Well, I mean, you know, we we've seen your man Derek Rose, right? It was really the torn ACL that started his downward spiral. So it's not like we haven't seen this before. Um, we've seen countless big men who have had a pretty bad knee or foot injury. And then that's kind of started a downward spiral that has, you know, wrecked their career for at least a good number of seasons. So there's definitely no guarantees here. So I think it would depend a lot on my risk tolerance level and, and what I could get Chris Stapps for, right? Like if someone's going to make me pay a top 20 or 30 player in a dynasty league to acquire Chris Stapps, I, I'm definitely not going to be the one trading for him. But if I can trade for him for somebody outside the top 50, like I think that's that's a gamble well worth taking because Chris Stapps could be you know, a top 20 or 30 player over the next few seasons. We've got to remember, Chris Stapps is only 23 years old. Like It seems like Chris Stapps has been around for a while. He turns 24 in August. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Like It does seem like he's been a while. I mean, he's already been an all-star. He's 24 years old. Um, I'm with – I think – Long term wise, I if you were looking the same way you were looking at him earlier this season, should be the same way you're looking at him right now. Uh, I just think the hype around this trade and the uh, just the NBA Twitter verse, uh, the swell of of publicity could get you a um, maybe a better return on your value. Uh, now that everybody's excited, maybe Chris Epps is coming back sooner. Uh, we don't know. We just don't well, know. Come back. So, like, I, I think if you're looking at this season, or you're looking at dynasty wise, like maybe like you're you're taking the risk that the New York Knicks are taking without knowing Katie's coming to your uh, to your organization. Are you selling him at his lowest point? Or are you selling him at your at his highest point for the well, rest of his career? Who knows? Well, let's say this too. You know, Chris Stapps, we've seen him be a little overvalued in, in the fantasy realm because he played for the Knicks and he was a big name and he's flashy and right. So you might be able to use that too. I just think selling him right now, like you, especially in a dynasty league, if you've held for the whole year during his injury, like I don't think you're going to be able to sell him for any like absorbent price now just because of the trade. Like I don't think the trade pushed him up at any in anyone's mind. So I think you probably should wait till he comes back, plays a few games. If he looks real good in Dallas, then maybe you sell him. Um, yeah, dy- yeah. Dynasty wise, you're probably not getting any too much of a value push. Head to head wise, or a redraft league, I mean, um, this actually might be his most valuable point of the season, other than preseason. 
Actually, this is probably his most valuable point of the season because people might think he's coming back in a week or two, and it might be a month. So uh, do what you can with Chris Esprazingas, but let's talk about the rest of this Dallas team. Uh, they need someone to play point guard. They need someone to take the wing spot. Tim Hardaway, I think, is going to slide right into that wing spot. Um, Luka, this is obviously a big bump for Luka Doncic, I think, because uh, he's Luka Doncic, and he's great anyway. But he could legitimately put up the Ben Stimmons stat line from last year with three-pointers. That That is a much better Ben Simmons. Well, because – and here's the thing that people are going to forget about the the stat line for Doncic right now. DeAndre Jordan was near the league lead in rebounds, right? He grabs every rebound, and people even did a couple of you know, those little gifs and memes of like Jordan stealing rebounds from Luka when they were the only two people there. Jordan's averaging 13.7 rebounds a game. Luca could be getting three or four of those rebounds every game. Like it's literally just Luca and DeAndre under the basket for those boards. So you turn 6.9 already, seven rebounds into like eight, nine rebounds. He's going to be the primary ball handler on this team now. You could legitimately see seven, eight assists a game, like yeah. two and a half three pointers, like 20 points. I mean, you're talking about a really, really special fantasy line. He could be a 29 and seven guy like that. Or that's in, that's insane. Um, I do see. I agree. There's a bump coming for Luka Doncic. Uh, Harrison Barnes could see a little uptake in his rebounds as well if they ask him to slide up with the loss of DeAndre Jordan. Uh, as of let's let's start with the big man loss of DeAndre Jordan. Maxi, uh, your boy Maxi Kleber, which is not how you say his name. And Dwight Powell, uh, kind of vying for those minutes. Uh, yeah, my, my we had a we had a little bit of a discussion about the difference between Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleber, 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 Kleba, Kleba. Uh, Shout out to the Germans out there. Um, Maxi is a little bit more of an interesting fantasy um, prospect because of his blocks. Uh, Dwight Powell is probably the more consistent um, contri- yeah, contributor. That's not a word. But um, contributor, there it is. Wow. Someone has been up too late these last few days watching basketball. Um, which one of these guys, if you had to take one, uh, are you picking up in a standard league? Well, you know, until Przingis comes back, they're both probably looking at around 30 minutes a game. Like, the Mavericks just don't have that many, you know, big man options now with DeAndre Jordan gone. Um, so I'm definitely going to go for Kleba because, you know, he's averaging 1.2 blocks a game in 19 minutes. So, I mean, not to say that that shoots up to any high level, but even if it's like only 1.5, if he's playing 30 minutes, like that's a significant contribution. Neither is actually really a great rebounder, which may be surprising to some people because they're both kind of big men. Um, the main difference, though, is Powell's going to get you, even in 30 minutes, he's going to get you like 0.9, maybe maybe a steal, maybe, and like half a block. Like, it's not great production in the defensive stats, whereas, you know, Cleaver's probably going to get you 0.7 or 0.8 steals in one and a half blocks. Yeah, it's the intangibles give the edge to Maxi. I do think if you're looking for someone who's a little bit more consistent, who is going to produce every time they play a decent amount of minutes, Dwight Powell is the more is the safer choice. Like if you're looking for 
just a, a, a one gamer. You don't know what you, you need some stats. You don't know what you're going to get. Uh, but I don't know if either one of these guys is standard league relevant uh, playing. Oh, you know, they might be borderline, actually, probably a bench level standard league relevant if they're playing 30 minutes. Yeah, and they're probably more in that streamers class. Like, I'll give you that. Like, neither one's going to produce a ton of points. They're not going to produce a ton of rebounds. They're not really going to get many assists. So, you know, what I mean, we're looking at a lot of negative contributions there. But then at the same time, like, if you're getting those steals and block numbers from Kleber, you know, those are worth probably definitely streaming in. All right, let's talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, I think this is, I, I think I threw it out there. I think it's a bump for everybody who goes to Dallas because they're playing in a better system with a better coach and Bizdale isn't jerking around their minutes. Tim Hardaway has been probably the only Nick getting, uh, I, I, I'm not going to even look and verify this right now because he's probably the Nick with the most consistent minutes. I don't, I don't think I have to go verify that he's been playing 30 uh, over 32 minutes a game. I don't really see that changing too much in Dallas what I do think happens is that he's just in a better system, so he's going to be getting better shots. He is not going to be handling the ball as much, um, but he's just going to be in a, in a better system that gets him available. He's still shooting like 38% this season, like 39%. Like That's still a freaking problem. But uh, I think going to uh, Dallas is, is a positive for him. Well, and – you know, especially once Porzingis comes back, he, the shot attempts are definitely going to come down. Right? Yeah, they have to. He just can't shoot sixteen shots a game in Dallas and and make five point one and take five point one free throws. Like those are just not numbers that are sustainable. Um, hopefully, the efficiency boost, like you mentioned, like the efficiency has been very poor this season. Hopefully, he can get some efficiency bump, and that levels out the production a little bit. You know, we've talked about this in the past. Hardaway is not one of my favorite players because he's not a real big contributor in steals and blocks but he's gonna play he's gonna play a lot of minutes he's gonna take that you know west matthews was starting he's probably gonna slide right in there in that role probably in 30 32 minutes a night and he's gonna be a standard league capable player i don't know how valuable he's going to be because i think the points are gonna drop a little bit the rebounds might tick up a hair i think there's gonna be less assists if he can get you like a steal a game, that's going to be huge for his value. He should produce good three-point numbers. But like you mentioned, it's going to be on a bad field goal percentage. Like even in Dallas, what is it, probably 42, maybe 43% from the field, like it's not going to be great. No, it's it, at best it's probably going to get up to 42, uh, which brings me to who the hell is going to play uh, the other guard position here. Um, it's kind of hard to call anybody a point guard because – Doncic is the point guard, but Trey Burke is probably lined up. Uh, he kind of started. He he started the last two games for uh, the Knicks, and it looked like he was playing like Trey Burke. He was fine. He was scoring some points. Um, I think he's going to see a lot more minutes here in Dallas because Dallas really needs another guard. So here's more where I'm at with this, and I think Trey Burke's going to be the he's going to play the JJ Barea role. If you ask me. Yeah, if J.J. Barea was healthy, J.J. Barea would be playing this role and Trey Burke would be sitting his ass on the bench. Right. So J.J. Barea usually plays somewhere between 20 and 22 minutes a game. I think Trey Burke's going to be in a really similar role to what he was in New York, actually. You know, kind of the backup behind Moutier. He's going to be the backup behind Luka Doncic. And what the Mavs are probably going to try to do is they're going to – I think Courtney Lee's actually going to play for him. 
I legitimately think that they're going to use Courtney Lee. They're going to use Dorian Finney-Smith. And they're going to play matchups with that starting unit a little bit. Even when Chris Dabbs comes back, you know, if the other team's going a little bigger, they might start Cleaver and Doncic and maybe Jalen Brunson, maybe Harrison Barnes. Like, they're going to kind of mix and match a little bit just based on the matchups, I think. And Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway Jr. could both be in that mix for, for starting. I think – Tim Hardaway definitely plays over 30 minutes. I think Burke's probably more in the 20 to 22 minute range. And Courtney Lee could be one of those guys who there's a few nights where he sees 30 minutes. And then if the matchup dictates it, maybe he's down to like 20 minutes a game. It would be interesting to see Courtney play a little bit more. I think Courtney is perfectly fine. Uh, Fisdale obviously did not like him. I think that was fairly straightforward, fairly straightforward. Uh, well, and it was Fisdale's whole thing about, oh, I'm going to play all these young players, which they did have a plethora of young guards, and Courtney Lee's 33 years old. Like, they're not trying to win. I get why Lee wasn't playing. But crazy enough, Lee probably had the second best season of his career last year as a 32-year-old. Yeah, that's right. He was a uh, fancy relevant for quite um, a bit of last season. And I, I mean, I think – they're going to give them both a shot, like you're saying. My, I would lean towards Trey Burke. But both of these guys are neither – actually, neither one of these guys are terribly exciting when it comes to full-on fantasy value. No, no, definitely not. Um, it will be interesting, and, and Trey Burke is obviously not J.J. Barea, but it will be interesting to see if Trey Burke can get up to, like, the four-and-a-half assists he was averaging last year in New York. Now, he was not doing that this year, but – you know, J.J. Barea, we, we talk about this for the last two or three years, right? He was averaging like five, five and a half, six assists for the Mavericks. So, you know, if, if he can get a grasp on Carlisle's system, which probably won't happen very quickly, but, I mean, down the stretch, man, if he gets a better understanding of the system, it could be dangerous. Yeah, it definitely could. I think um... – that's probably it for Dallas's side of the coin. Um, let's let's flip over to the tire fire, the 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 franchise who told the Bulls to settle the fuck down and stop acting so irate because they are the kings of the dysfunctional front office. The New York Knicks trading away their franchise. Rookie contract center just to uh, cut salary. Now, when Kyrie and Kawhi and KD are all on the Knicks in two years, hating being on the Knicks but playing there, um, cool, great job. That I don't think that's going to happen. But the Knicks did get Wesley Matthews and Dennis Smith Jr. Is this basically Dennis Smith Jr. time? Oh, yeah. And, you know, we can talk about the funniest part of this trade was the Knicks actually chose not to draft Dennis Smith Jr. in that draft. Well, yeah, there's a great uh, – someone wrote a great one where it was like, all right, let me get this straight. Uh, we traded we traded Chris Stapps, and these we, we let Tim Hardaway go, then signed him to a giant contract just so we could trade – him away along with Chris Tapps Porzingis to get Dennis Smith Jr., who we could have just drafted. Yep. Yep. That's that's exactly how it went. Um, so here's the thing I'll say. You know, we that makes, we that makes the Doug McDermott saga feel quaint. 
yes. We saw the Dennis Smith Jr., I don't know, whatever you want to call that, that happened a couple weeks ago where he basically just wasn't playing because he wanted to be the ball handler and all this and all that. Um, I think the Knicks are the perfect situation to give it to him. Now, Emmanuel Moutier is out for another week, and then he'll be back. It's hard to trust the Fisdale rotation, but I think they're going to give Dennis Smith a ton of run. And Dennis Smith's a fun player to watch, man. He's super athletic. Those dunks are just insane. Um, we saw him on a bad team last year, you know, playing less than 30 minutes a game, average 5.2 assists, 15.2 points, a steal, 3.8 rebounds. So he's been fantasy relevant before. Now the efficiency is poor. He's a poor free throw shooter and a poor field goal shooter. So especially if he's going to be running the show, that's that field goal percentage could drop to a scary level of like 41, 42%. It's just not going to be good. Um, I would definitely though, if Dennis Smith Jr. is on your waiver wire, I'd pick him up. I mean, I think he's going to get yeah. the ball, have the ball in his hands, play over 30 minutes, you know, be allowed to just kind of run, run things there. And we mentioned it, right? They're trying to replace their leading scorer for the season was Tim Hardaway Jr. averaging 19 points a game. Trey Burke was averaging them nearly 12 points a game. So, you know, I mean, they traded two players that were making significant contributions to their team. Um, You've heard the reports of Wesley Matthews and DeAndre Jordan both being potential buyout candidates. So who knows if they even suit up for the Knicks? You know, they're both on the last year of their deal. Obviously, the Knicks would be a better team with both of them, but are the Knicks trying to be a good team? The answer to that question is no. So um, it'll be real, real interesting to see what happens with those two. Yeah, I um, I, I, I that's a little, we're too early to get the Wesley Matthews, DeAndre Jordan, like the full take on this. So we're probably going to have to come back to that once we know more if they're going to be sticking around in in New York or not. Um, I don't know why they they wouldn't. Um, I think New York will either – here's like the three scenarios. They waive them immediately. They try to trade them individually, which will go for the next you know couple weeks, and then they waive them, or for some reason they keep them both around for the rest of the season when they're trying to lose every single game possible. Um, that sucks for everybody who owns DeAndre Jordan or Wes Matthews. It's not like Wes Matthews was blowing anybody out of the water, I think, if he ends up staying here and playing like 30 minutes, he's going to be doing the exact same thing he was doing in Dallas, except for probably in a less efficient manner because the offense sucks. Um, DeAndre Jordan's DeAndre Jordan. And the problem is, is Enos can't, like everybody is getting, anyone who's getting excited that perhaps Enos Cantor is finally going to start playing again and, and playing starters minutes. Well, DeAndre Jordan's in the way, even if they wave DeAndre Jordan, Let's just face it. For some reason, Fisdale hates Enos Cantor. Enos Cantor is awesome um, as a as a person, as a human being. He seems very very cool, um, and he was a great fantasy asset. And I just don't think Enos Cantor is coming back. So sorry to burst everybody's Cantor bubble. What would be the ultimate kick in the nuts to Cantor? Would be them actually playing DeAndre Jordan over him because the whole reason Fisdale keeps repeating it. The whole reason Cantor's not playing is I got to get a look at these young bigs, Noah Vonley, and which Noah Vonley's been in the league for how many years? I mean, like if you haven't seen what Noah Vonley can do, yeah, he's not a young big. Your your eyes ain't been open, man. Luke Cornett, Mitchell Robinson. So if a a what six year older DeAndre Jordan comes in and plays over Enos Cantor, that would just be absolutely the ultimate shot right to the nuts to Enos Cantor. That'd be absolute trash time. Um, In fact, like Mitchell Robinson, who's getting tons of more blocks than DeAndre Jordan, 
uh, is is a little bit more interesting than DeAndre Jordan. Like DeAndre Jordan's going to get you those great rebounds and shoot a good percentage, but like Mitchell Robinson in 30 minutes, if he could stay on the court, uh, is probably a more inter- is more interesting than DeAndre Jordan in 30 minutes now. Like that's how sad DeAndre Jordan has gotten. So, he's just not he's just not that good anymore. That's true, and he's just with Dallas. The whole thing was he just chose not to try to defend shots. Like if you would just pull up a foot in front of him and shoot, as opposed to like taking it right at him, he would not even put his arms up. He'd just be like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't even know if he's playing basketball anymore. Like, that's just how trash he is. Um, um, here's the crazy thing about Mitchell Robinson. It would be very interesting if they were like, all right, Mitchell, you're going to play 30 minutes a game. You got to figure this out. It'd be very interesting to see what happened to his block numbers because in 17 minutes a game, he's averaging two blocks, but yeah. 3.1 personal fouls. That's a lot. So, so, I mean, simple math would tell you if we're telling him he's going to play 30, that's relatively double. So you're thinking four blocks, but that would also be 6.2 personal fouls, which I'm sure you're aware, Michael, is not possible to do. So it would be very interesting to see how Mitchell Robinson adapted his game if he was playing more minutes because – We've seen this in the past, right? A lot of those big guys who are bench bigs try to challenge every shot because they don't really care if they foul out. Like, I'm playing 15 minutes, man. If I got to use all six of my fouls in 15 minutes, so be it. Yeah, go go right ahead. It's like you want to lose, so who, who cares what's happening here? Um, as for the rest of this team, like, bleh, uh, Kevin Knox is still like Kevin Knox. Like, he's probably going to shoot a little bit more, which means his, his really bad shooting percentage is probably going to get a little bit worse. And he's gonna score more, but like he's still so so bad with his percentages. I just I don't see him becoming a standard league relevant player. Uh, if you were a Alonzo Trier fan, he's probably takes a little bit of a hit. He'll probably be playing around the same amount of minutes anyway. Not not a big deal there. The person on this team on the Knicks that I would be taking a flyer on that's probably still on the waiver wire is Mario Hazonia. Oh God, this this story again, Michael. Listen. If you're going to take a chance on somebody on this team, there's only a handful, like two to three players on this team who can be standard league relevant. Mario Hazonia is one of them. And if they just say, hey, screw it, we don't have anybody on this team. We got to get a look at the, old, the the young guys, even though Mario Hazonia is not that young anymore. Um, and they finally give Mario Hazonia like 30 plus minutes a game. He could have a, a, a repeat of what he was doing uh, in Orlando, where he was not just standard league relevant, but very standard league relevant. And if you need a shot in the dark, if you need to take a flyer right now, uh, based on wherever you're currently ranked, or you, you just want to do something out out of uh, outside of the box, that's the person on the Knicks I'm taking a flyer on. Everybody else, whatever, right? Uh, if Dennis Smith Jr. is out there, take him before Mario Hazonia because you know he's going to get the minutes. But with this giant reworking, no Tim Hardaway Jr., they got to put somebody in there. If they wave. Wes Matthews, I mean, Mario Zunia is sitting right there. He can play wing. Like, why not? Yeah, and here's the worry about picking up any, you know, past and current Nick is we've seen Fizdale just chop and change it so many times too. So, you know, Zunia could literally, like, when, when those guys with the trade passes and those guys play their first game in New York, Hazonia could be playing 20 minutes and then the next night play 30 and then the next night play 15 and then the next night play five and then play 30 again like Fizdale. Yeah, I don't trust Fizdale one damn bit, but. 
and that's that's I guess my worry about picking up any of those players is like I know it's just going to be a headache and I'm going to be like, Oh, you played 10 minutes. I want to drop you. And then the next night they'll be playing 30 and I'll be like, damn it. No, that was what I wanted. Um, so it's been a really rough ride to own pretty much any Nick this season. You know, even Kevin Knox, right? He's getting consistent minutes, but if you drafted Kevin Knox, I guarantee you overdrafted him for the most part, because I mean, other than points, what is he really giving you? Not a lot, right? It's points on bad percentages and maybe a few threes and no steals, no blocks. So, you know, the Knicks have just been a really frustrating team for fantasy. Uh, yeah, I hate Fizdale, uh, that he is the new um, Scott Skiles and, and who was it, Scotty Brooks? Was that, the, was that who was doing that in Orlando? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think. Maybe. Maybe not. No. Maybe it was Scotty Brooks. Who was it? It was the Indiana. Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel. Like, you thought Frank Vogel would have his shit together, but no, he really ruined that. Uh, he even screwed up the whole Oladipo thing. So, um, Fizdale's the new, I guess, uh, Brooks, and um, he's an asshole, and he's really ruining a lot of people's fancy Basketball league, obviously, he's ruining uh, some of my fancy basketball league. That's why I have such harsh words for this turd. At least Jim Boylan, uh, even though he's way worse of a coach than Fizdale somehow, is playing consistent minutes to the guys who are you know good on the team. And uh, the Knicks are a crapshoot. I cannot record really fully give a you know a plus recommendation to anyone on this team. But if if I had to pick one, it's Mario Hazonia. Wow. So you want to hear the craziest part about this? Just tweeted out by Tim McMahon from ESPN. This is literally breaking news. You ready for this? Yeah. I'm... Chris Epps Porzingis probably will not play for the Mavericks this season as he continues his recovery from a torn ACL and his left knee suffered a year ago. Mm. Dallas owner Mark Cuban told ESPN. All right. There you go. So there's that. So if you can uh, trade Chris Stapps real quick, do it. <laughs> Get him out there. Trade him right now. This is and whether you want to believe, I mean, Cuban seems like the right person to believe. It sounds like Carlisle has said. Also here, I'm, I'm seeing said it will be sooner. It will be later rather than sooner. Uh, there is zero timetable. So I don't know if Dallas is just saying like, hey, we don't even want to. We don't even want to bother with this. Um, because we want you to play for us for the long term. Um, well, and the thing could be the fact that maybe the knee is, isn't that healthy. So, you know, I mean, we don't know. You know, we're not privy to the information. We may now never be privy to the information. Um, his little tweet that he put out on or Instagram, whatever, wherever that was, Snapchat, I'm not even sure where, where Porzingis posted it, but it was, it was you know, circulating all over about you know time will tell is like the truth will come out yeah so like shit is this like some x-files shit like what what does he know yeah so um and and what's crazier yet okay so did you did you hear the low the low zach low podcast from this afternoon i think it dropped this afternoon might have been this morning no um that one uh, apparently dirk knew about the trade like three days before it happened according to dirk on this well, yeah. podcast dirk i mean dirk's basically work, works in the front office and tell us at this point like yeah i believe that and there's that uh there's that tweet going around of chris Debs and Doncic after the game being like yo see you soon 
Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of wild stuff that I think went on that, you know, we're never really going to be that privy to knowing, um, but it'll be really, really interesting to see. And, and, you know, I talked about this, you know, a little bit, even on this podcast about how they literally could be the best young duo in the NBA. Like Luka Doncic will be 20. Kristaps Porzingis will be 24 years old at the start of next season. It's absolutely wild. Um, I hope I actually hope they really stay. I hope they stay together. I hope they're awesome next year. Uh, yeah, I'm on board. I'm on board. And, I, I love it. I, I love everything about it. It's cool that you get a you get to cover them. And uh, this is also, why we love the NBA. What I mean, I'm I'm here for all the uh, what's what what's the Super Bowl? Who gives a who gives a shit? Like I'll say one last thing important. about the Shams Kariani tweet about him saying that he's gonna take the qualifying offer. Um, did you know? Did you notice who broke the story on the trade? Was it Woj? It was not. Who was it? It was Mark Stein. Ah, Steiny Mo. And, I, like, I like him. He's uh, he's he's great. He's and, always ahead of the game. I actually think like Shams and Woj are being used by all the agents right now. There's a lot of like AD LeBron shady bullshit going on. Well, and from covering the Mavericks, I will tell you this: the people in the know most about the Mavericks always seem to be Mark Stein and Tim McMahon. It's never Woj. It's never Shams, which I don't say that very often because those two seem to know everything about everything. But I think that whoever in the Dallas front office, be that Mark Cuban, be that somebody else, they always give the scoop to either Mark Stein or Tim McMahon. So, I understand Sham sent out that tweet. I'm just saying mm, it might not be the the, the absolute 100 percent truth. Be, that might be Asians talking and trying to get bullshit out there, yeah. which is what I think most almost everything released by almost any major writer pretty much. I'd say 80 percent of the shit they're releasing is just because a team wants it in the ether. Um, just to, to get out there. so. But I'm guaranteeing this. Dallas's will be willing to offer a max contract. You don't make that trade, giving up two future first-round picks and Dennis Smith Jr. to, to let him walk. They're going to offer a max. If he really doesn't play a game this season and he doesn't take that max, man, he's got a set of balls. Yeah, I mean, minus, I mean, minus the fact that unless they know something about his uh... – about his niece. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Shout out to uh, Mark Cuban and Dallas for uh, showing the uh, I guess the industry how to rebuild. Maybe maybe call Gar Foreman, let him know how this works, and uh, maybe the Bulls will be back here in the next decade. Probably not. I don't think uh, Timothy Luwalu Cabaret is going to swing. Actually, Timothy Luwalu Cabaret might be like the fifth best player on the Bulls right now. Uh, like that's how fucking sad this has become. Um, so. he's had like two or three games for the for the Sixers where he like actually got thirty minutes and was not terrible. So yeah, I think he's fine. He's like athletic and he, he knows seems good. Yeah, so it'll actually be like you you keep making fun of it, but it'll actually be interesting to see if he can do anything. Like he's still only twenty three years old. The Bulls don't really have anybody, I would say, super standing in his way. So it'll be interesting to see if he can do anything in Chicago. And we talk about this all the time. There are guys who come out of nowhere, right, at this time of year and be standard, you know, standardly relevant. Maybe it's him. You never know. Yeah, that would 
that would be cool. I'd be I'd be cool with if he's playing well for the Bulls and um, you know, as long as they were still losing, of course. But uh played well for the Bulls and became a fantasy asset. I actually have him in one of my really, really deep leagues, so that'd be that'd be pretty sweet. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, so I, I guess on that trade, stay tuned and just prepare yourself. Put your Woj and Shams and you know whoever else you're into listening to, put the notifications on because things could get wild over this, the next six days. This might be the start of um, a very, very wild trade deadline. Well, and I mean, I'm sure you saw the stuff today, right? There's the whole Kyrie Irving thing. Anthony Davis basically said, trade me to the Lakers now. Um that would, uh, if I'm anybody who's anybody, I'm not taking that shit platter from the Lakers. Like, why would you want to recreate a trash team in New dude, Orleans? No, no, no. That dude. team in LA was trash before LeBron got there. That's what I mean. Did you see the? Uh, like, oh, it's man. not a good trade. It, it was a Pel- third best player in the league. It was a Pelicans beat writer, and he's like, he wrote this like little caption. You know, it would be an awesome team, and it had a picture of Julius Randle like in his Pelicans gear. And then the next picture was the three guys from the Lakers, Brandon Ingram, and Lonzo Ball, and they were in a Pelicans uniform, and that just made me laugh really hard because they were all in the Lakers last year. Yeah, and they had like twenty-two wins or some shit like that. But here's the the other thing about it. You know, if they're not going to, you know, Boston's not, he said, basically said today, he's not going to resign with Boston or his agent did, somebody did. So are you going to give up Jason Tatum to have one year of Anthony Davis? I'd, I'd rather, if I'm New Orleans, I'm, I'm holding out till the summer uh, because that may, more people will be, more teams will be in play. And even like a mediocre offer from Boston is better than, Lonzo and well, I mean, you you and I have you and I have discussed this numerous times about those guys and Kyle Kuzma. Like, are any of those guys like winning basketball players? I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. You know, they're you know Lonzo's a very inefficient shooter and can't really you know make a lot of shots. Ingram is what he is, but I don't think he's great. And Kuzma's basically just a volume scorer, man. Like his best thing would be like a six man off the bench who just gets buckets. Yeah, like that's not a rebuild. That's not even a build. Like, give me five more draft picks, I guess, in order to make that doable. I'm not. I'm not terribly interested. So, but I, here's here's the other thing, though, and this is maybe the spot we close on this podcast is we saw that trade yesterday come out of nowhere, right? It was he had a meeting with the front office people, and then like two hours later, he was headed to Dallas. So my point is. I mean, we saw it with the Blake Griffin trade last year, right? Like, who? Th- everyone was like, no way, man, Blake Griffin's contract stinks. There's no way he's going to get traded. Boom, he's on Detroit. I think the biggest and best trades we see are the ones that are going to come out of nowhere. Yeah, the ones that we never see coming. And I think we're going to see quite a few. I think you're right. That is it for this evening. Uh, everybody, if you like what we're doing, rate, review us. Find me on Twitter, at Watch the Boxes. Find Tyler at... Tyler P. Watts. He's probably going to be writing about Chris S. Porzingis right now. And uh, we will catch you next time.